Welcome to Engineering Influence Podcast from the American Council of Engineering Companies. And this week we are having a kind of a brainstorm with the ACEC Research Institute, bringing down some of the members of the board, our Enable board, and some of our donors to talk about the bigger issues going on with the industry and the Institute's work. And a member of that group is Mike Pernicke. He is Vice President of Transportation and Government Affairs for Olson. And I'm very pleased to be joined with him today to talk about his firm, what he's working on, and kind of the outlook from his perspective on the industry. So, Mike, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for having us, Jeff. I, I like the title is, is, is Vice President of Transportation and Government Relations. And I think a lot of people out there who might not be completely familiar with the industry might not realize exactly how much government relations work happens at engineering firms. So how did that and government relations part get tagged on with the transportation Certainly, I'm a, a technical transportation engineer is my background, but uh, if you're in the industry long enough and you work projects, um, you learn that telling the story about your projects, getting public understanding, uh, but then also having elected leadership uh, understand what you're doing and having those relationships uh, to support projects and be able to move communities forward, um, that became an important part. Uh, certainly, as our company's grown uh, significantly over the 17 and a half years I've been there, um, we now have uh, approaching 2,000 uh, staff members across the country, and, and they're asking for support and leadership in, in how do you engage, how do you tell the stories of why projects are important, uh, and making sure that you know uh, how to get it through the process. Uh, and that's where the government affairs and leadership and organizing around that to support our, our, our staff members uh, nationally came from. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting how many people who might not be directly engaged with the engineering industry or, or might be uh, interested in it or looking at it from the technical aspect, which of course is huge, and the hard sciences and everything you have to do. But how many times engineers, especially in transportation and infrastructure work, are actually engaged at the community level and stakeholder engagement, dealing with the local governments, you know, the NEPA kind of things that are more or the NIMBY, not just NEPA, yeah. but NEPA also, um, and everything else that goes on, that, that you know, you have to work as an engineer and then also almost like a community organizer to make sure that the people understand, the communities understand the, the positive impact of the work that you guys are doing. And uh, so that's always an interesting, interesting thing. And, um, and, and you mentioned Olson, you know, the fact that it's grown. Yeah. Uh, upwards of 2,000 employees across the country. Tell us about the firm, you know, a little bit of, a, you know, where it started out and how it has kind of grown because one of the things that, um, you know, we've seen is that during the pandemic, um, it actually was a pivot point for growth for, for the firm. So uh, give us a little bit of, of, of background there. Yeah, certainly. I You know, we started with one individual, John uh, E. Olson, as our founder, but uh, as we've grown over time from Nebraska to uh, throughout the Midwest, Southwest United States, and certainly now doing work nationally, I we find that you know that multidisciplinary approach for public, private, and institutional clients, which is is who we serve. Uh, it, honestly, our clients have taken us across the United States, and so I, as you talk about the pandemic and a lot of the stuff that we've seen over time, I we got a lot of learnings out of that that we've brought forward uh, with regards to. Uh, you know, we exist for our employees and our employees then really take care of all of our clients and, and our clients take us places we would have never imagined yeah. 10, 15 years ago. And and how you do that and meeting them where they are through that process, uh, we've learned a lot uh, that we're continuing on that uh, really are driven in our core tenants on we're an employee first firm. Uh, and then certainly what are we doing to invest in them and uh, make sure that they're taken care of as a whole person uh, mm -hmm. so that they can present themselves and, and be highly engaged in our work. and 
and be part of our great community. And, and it's been a really great experience over the last couple of years. Give some examples of how the firms kind of pivoted or changed to deal with the, um, you know, post-pandemic effects of, of, of the workforce. Quite honestly, it's, it's throughout the economy, every every sector has seen some kind of disruption. Uh, so how how's Olson kind of dealt with that? I, you know, it's exhibited its way. It's exhibited itself in a number of different ways. Um, but one example is uh, kind of our uh, flexible work environment mm-hmm. uh, discussion. You know, uh, with the pandemic. Uh, having offices across the country, different areas of the uh, country uh, reacted to that differently. Uh, and so we had to be uh, flexible. And, and, you know, one of the key tenants we have is is to really meet our employees where they're at um, and to have decisions made um, by those folks that are closest to, to the issues they're dealing with. And so, for example, our, our environment, our flexible work environment, um, you know, it's really, if you boil it all down, is um, supervisors working with each of our employees to determine uh, what work environment's best for them, be that uh, in the office all the time, uh, flexible remote uh, and or hybrid uh, situations. Uh, those are the things that we brought forward. Uh, the learnings have been, it, we actually saw, you know, increased uh, performance of our business. Uh, our employee satisfaction's gone up and we've actually seen client satisfaction go up because of how we've engaged and how how positive our employees have mm-hmm. been uh, working through what were some difficult uh, times and situations. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's allowed us to respond um, flexibly and nimbly to uh, those things that presented. More of an individual approach of, you know, what works best for the project teams that are assigned to the project. So you're able to kind of customize it to the need and to the to the best working area and the, the, the culture. Um, speaking of culture, I guess, you know, um, you know, looking looking ahead to like, you know, everybody's, of course, the engineering field right now. I mean, we're at the point where, you know, if you want a job in an engineering firm, you're going to get one because we're practically in full employment. For the next, you know, everybody's competing for talent. How do you think uh, that change and kind of the, the way that you guys have, have have dealt with the disruptions that happened with the pandemic, how do you think that set you up to, uh, with a competitive advantage on, on uh, employee acquisition and retention? Really, that story and that culture sells itself. Um, I, our employees are our best uh, sales folks and, and recruiters. Um, certainly, we have all of the things in place from a, a recruiting group and, and HR and all of the uh, things that y- you would need to bring employees on. But uh, it's that word of mouth. It's our culture yeah. of our employees uh, recruiting the people they know in the industry, their friends uh, and compatriots at other places. I, it's been an advantage because I, it sells itself. Yeah. And so I, th- it goes back to our tenants. If we take uh, wonderful care of our employees, make sure they have everything they need to be a whole person, present themselves at work, uh, they take care of the rest as our best ambassadors out in the out in the market. Looking at the growth that you've had um, as a firm and now becoming a you know evolving into a national presence, where do you see the, the biggest opportunity for growth and, and and what what markets do you think are are probably the best uh, most attractive ones in the in the near term? Uh, it, certainly, uh, we're actually redoing our five year strategic uh, plan and vision currently uh, and. And we generally organize organize around six different markets, be it um, environment, energy, um, transportation, water, and, and federal. Um, and so as far as a growth standpoint, we certainly see opportunities in each of them. Um, but, uh, you know, our kind of uh, strategic point is mm-hmm. uh, making sure that we're serving both public, private, and institutional okay. clients so that, A, we're diversified. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're seeing an op- a lot of opportunity where those things cross. Uh, because yeah. as you look at larger projects, 
um, be it on a private side, it'll have major impacts to your public infrastructure and, and local agencies and state agencies mm -hmm. that then have to be coming together to work to uh, solve the infrastructure needs that we have. So I, I, our focus is working on those key markets, mm -hmm. um, but then those intersection points between public, private, and institutional uh, clients. Yeah, I, especially in those markets. I mean, yeah. and that's where, of course, the largest federal investment is being made. I mean, you have the IIJA now in place announced, mm -hmm. you know, the money is coming out through it. You have, of course, the Inflation Reduction Act, and you have some other, I mean, the CHIPS Act. Um, you know, how, how, how has the increased federal investment, um, has that translated yet uh, are you seeing the impacts of that or, or or is it yet to be seen in in, in your areas I, you know certainly I, I think we have seen an increase in the amount of funding that is coming down to states uh, mm -hmm. specifically um, part of it's been uh, eaten up by inflation which I think everybody yeah. in our industry is aware of um, but without it um, we would be in a much worse situation uh, and certainly we are starting to see um, programs uh, from key clients across our footprint uh, start to ramp up uh, and, and as well as the private side has followed, um, you know, where those investments are occurring. Yeah. Uh, they're quick to understand the advantages and the opportunities it's going to provide. And so we're seeing it on both sides of that uh, moving forward. Let's uh, uh, also, I also want to cross over the, uh, the the idea of the Institute and what you're here to talk about right now, because one mm -hmm. of the things the Institute's always looking at when it does its economic assessments are, you know, those market categories and the question of optimism and, and, and you know, looking ahead at the challenges. Uh, what are you looking to get out of the meeting today, and, and, and what would you like the Institute to kind of focus in on in its work moving forward? Of course, we're doing a study on design build. We're doing some work on QBS. Um, you know, what what from, you know, Olson's perspective do you think the Institute could really do the help? You know, a lot of it will revolve around, you know, what's over the horizon, mm -hmm. uh, be it you know, a lot of the discussion in the industry is about how do we do design and, and engage our communities around um, the case for further investment mm -hmm. uh, in infrastructure. Uh, but then how do we take those investments and make sure that we're uh, designing those improvements that are resilient and, and taking into account uh, everything that we're dealing with in, yeah. you know, the, the current environment. Uh, if you pair that with just uh, pipeline of talent and understanding uh, the culture uh, that mm -hmm. we are now seeing for uh, making sure that it, it really aligns with what we've done at Olson on meeting our employees where they're at, making sure that they're supported. But how do we uh, plan for and invest in in our people and that long-term talent pipeline? Yeah. Uh, to make sure that you know everybody has a place and that we're we're basically attracting the best and brightest talent. Uh, to solve those uh, problems of the future. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we're focused on also here in Washington. It's, it's, yep. it's, it's a question of not just your implementation of the infrastructure bill and what comes after that with the re eventual reauthorization to hopefully a, a brand new investment and not just an extension of what we have. And then, of course, workforce development and making sure that the talent pipeline is full and that we're getting a diverse set of talented people to join the industry and stay in the industry. So um, look forward to a good discussion today, hopefully. And and and, uh, and I really do appreciate you taking time to join us in the program and jumping out of the meeting and, and and joining us in the studio. Yep, Jeff, thank you for having us today. We're glad to be here and, and certainly happy and and uh, feel uh, very honored to be part of this group going forward. So uh, we're looking forward to it. Great, love to have you back on. Uh, talk about some of the projects that you're working on uh, a little bit later in the year. Maybe if we see you in the in the spring conference down in the down downtown, we'll yep. uh, we'll have you on. Yep, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Bill. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you. And again, this has been an episode of Engineering Influence Podcast from the American Council of Engineering Companies. We'll see you next time.